have a, a favorite gender, right? That Do you prefer for it to be a boy or prefer for it to be a girl? Or do you have any names that are picked out? Or when are you due? How are you feeling? There's just a lot of questions that people ask you, and definitely I've been asked while being pregnant. But I feel like there's this whole other category as well when it comes to doctor appointments. Maybe you guys don't know about this, but you are asked a lot of questions at the doctor's office because they want to make sure everything's looking good and, you know, the baby's healthy and you're doing all the right things and taking care of your body and all those types of things. And generally speaking, I'd like to say that, you know, I'm, I'm kind of healthy. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty healthy person. But by the end of the appointment, I just feel like a total failure, right? When they ask me, you know, are you drinking this much water a day? And how much exercise are you getting? And I'm like, not so great. You know, are you having your leafy greens? I'm like, well, if you count like the cilantro and the, sal- you know, the salsa that I eat, maybe, maybe then a little bit. Um, not super great, right? And I, and I think we can kind of have this similar, you know, attitude too when it comes to other things, right? Like generally you think, you know, you got a good taste in music or a good taste in style or these different things, or, you know, I'm a pretty nice person, right? Like I'm generally good in this area, but uh, when push comes to shove, we realize I'm not so great. And I think there's many people, even in this room, that we think we're pretty nice. Generally speaking, I think I'm a pretty nice person. I'm a pretty kind person. But when we look at scripture, what we need to realize is that our niceness is not automatically considered kindness. When we talk about kindness in the Bible, niceness does not equal kindness. There's actually a difference there. And there's nothing against being nice. I think you guys should be nice and pursue to be nice. But we got to make sure that we really understand what kindness is because God calls us to be kind people. And we're going to find that in our very own past, our very own passage tonight. And so let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. And we'll see what the text says here. Um, and we're going to start in verse 17 before we jump to our text in verse 32, kind of just to give some context here. So Paul is writing to the Christians in the city of Ephesus, and he's teaching them really what they ought to believe and trust in. And in the first three chapters, it's really focused on doctrine, right? The truths that they need to depend on and teach to other people and apply to their own lives. And in the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians, it's really all about how Christians ought to treat one another, that there should be unity in their church, and there should be love and care and kindness that we're pouring into one another. And so he starts in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. We'll start there. He says, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And so first and foremost, what he's getting at here is Paul is saying, okay, you were living this way when you were a non-Christian, right? When you were a Gentile. But now that you're a Christian, you're a new creation in Christ. Like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that anyone who is in Christ, he's a new creation. That there's a transformation that happens when you repent of your sins and trust in Christ. You're not the same, you know, Sally. You're not the same, whatever your name is, fill in the blank. But your life is different. There should be a change. And he goes on in verse 22. He says, thinking of that old self and new self. He says, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former, 
former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And there it is again, right? That he's saying, put off those old desires, those sinful things that you used to struggle with. Put those things off. That's your old life. Now you need to put on these good things, putting on righteousness and holiness, becoming more like Jesus Christ. And furthermore, in verse 31, he kind of gives this contrast between the two, right? That we need to turn away from this thing and be this thing. And in verse 31, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, that these sins, you need to put them away, get rid of them, crucify them. And on the contrast, what are the things that we need to start doing? Well, that's where our text starts. That's verse 32. It says to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so Paul is telling the Christians how to treat one another, that they shouldn't be filled with bitter. They shouldn't be filled with anger and malice and all these ugly, sinful things. But instead, Christians ought to treat one another how God has treated us, right? And the standard is God. That's who he wants us to look up to, right? As it says in the text, as God in Christ forgave you, right? The standard is him. And so because God is kind, because God is caring, and because God is forgiving to us, we need to do the same to other people. We need to do the exact same thing to other people and live up to that standard he holds us to. So for point number one, write it down this way. Do good to others. Do good to others. I think oftentimes when we hear this word kind, I mean, this is not the first time you've heard it, right? Your parents have told you to be kind to your siblings, to be kind to your teachers, to be kind to people in your class, right? It's a word that we hear oftentimes. But what's the point of being kind? Is it just being nice? Is it just smiling? Is it being friendly? Is it having a nice demeanor? What's the point of it? Well, the same word kind is used in a really important text in the book of Luke that I want us all to look at together. In Luke chapter 6, verse 32 is where we're going to start. So turn in your Bibles to Luke 6, 32, and we'll read on to verse 36. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's really teaching them how to um, love one another and how to live just as he calls us to live. And so he, so he goes on in verse 32. And he says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to, from those, sorry, and if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And, oh, I'm sorry, I lost my place here. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. And so Jesus is trying to show us right here that it's not dependent on other people. That kindness is not just being nice to another person. Kindness is an active choice to do good to other people, to be generous to other people, to put other people before yourself, to put their interests first. And kindness, like, like the passage says, it doesn't depend on other people, right? 
look at the standard that we're being held to, right? That God himself, it says, is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Think about that, right? Our heavenly father, our perfect creator, who's holy and good and right, he is kind to people that are enemies of him, that hate him, that blaspheme him, that don't want to do anything with him. And think about the kindness that God has even shown you. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, God has been so kind to you. And you've experienced so many of his good gifts every single day, right? Do you guys have friends? Do you have clothes? Do you have a home? Do you have, you know, money to go buy Starbucks maybe sometimes, right? I mean, just think about all the little practical things. Are you breathing right now? Like even that itself is a kind gift from God. Think of just all the ways that we experience his kindness every single day. And this is what God wants us to do in response to his kindness. He doesn't want us to just experience these gifts and do nothing with them, but he calls us to live the same way to other people, to be kind, to go out of our way to serve other people. And if God is so kind to us, how can we not respond in worship and in thanksgiving and in showing kindness to other people? How can we, we really start doing that? I think there's three specific areas that we can work on this ourselves. In your stage of life, there are three things that we can do. And at first, that's going to be at home. At home, how can we be kind? How can we do good to the people around us? I think first we should think about being kind, doing good to our parents. Think about your parents and all that they do for you, to sacrifice for you. How can we be kind to them? How about cleaning your room? Whether they ask you to do it, or they don't ask you to do it, right? Tidying up around the house, showing that you care, showing that you take responsibility with the good things that they've given you, right? How about helping cooking a meal, right? You got to eat somehow, right? All of you guys got to eat something. Um, how about offering to help cook for your parents? Asking, hey, can I help with the, anything in the kitchen or picking up the dishes after dinner is over? Some of you have younger siblings. Think about your younger siblings that want to hang out with you and they want to play with you, right? How about spending some time playing with your younger siblings, reading a book, playing that game that they really like? Maybe you don't have younger siblings. Maybe you have both older and younger. How about spending time with your older sibling on the thing they like to do, right? Regardless of if you like to do it or if you like to, you know, go get boba or whatever that is. How about self-sacrificing and taking time to care for them and do good to them. There's so many different ways that we can do kindness and be good to the people in our home. I think also another area is at school. I know some of you guys are physically at school right now. Some of you guys are still online with Zoom, but regardless of where you are, we can still do good to people at our schools. First and foremost, how about listening to your teachers, right? I think even especially being virtual students, and I I hear you guys. I remember being working from home. It was really easy to not listen on those calls, right? Or to fidget with this thing or to just text on your phone and not pay attention. But listen to your teachers. Show them respect. Show them that you care and you want to listen to what they're saying. How about doing your homework? I think so many times we can throw out the excuse, well, I'm just lazy or it's just my personality, right? But how about doing good by being proactive and getting things done on time? How about not cheating? I think cheating is a really easy thing, right? You can just look it up online. You can just look at the back of the textbook. No, we can do good by being faithful and working heartily for the Lord. 
How about speaking well of others, whether that's your teacher or your classmate, speaking well of the people that are around you, so important. And that's a way that we can definitely do good. And I think lastly, another area is at church. And you guys are physically here right now, so this is perfect, right? At church, how are some, what are some ways that we can be kind to other people? I think first, we can find a way to serve at the church. Find a way to serve at the church. There are countless opportunities for you to serve at Compass Bible Church. And I love that about Compass. There's so many different ministries. Think about at the weekend services, right? The narrow we meet here on Wednesday nights. How about Sunday service or Saturday service? Finding a spot in kids' ministry to step in and to serve. We need people all the time. Somebody's got to watch those kids, right? Find a spot to serve in. I think even this summertime, right? There's all those summer kids camps and Camp Compass and all those neat opportunities to be able to serve. Find a spot to serve and do good in that. I think also caring for the church physically, the, the church building itself. How about picking up trash, right? You guys see how much trash we collect, especially at TNN, right? And we're all eating and with our water bottles and with your whatever, and it's just everywhere, and it looks like a mess. We're not caring for the church. Let's care for the church. Pick up trash. Make sure that we, you know, are taking care of the building that God has given us. How about talking to new people, visitors, right? I'm sure all of you were new at one point, right? And you remember how uncomfortable and hard that was to walk through the doors of a place you don't really know many people. Talking to new people, that's definitely a way you can be kind and do good to others. And respecting your leaders, right? Especially as we're going to jump into small groups, right? Not talking over them and, you know, making fun of that thing that they said, but being respectful of the people that, you know, care about you guys and are here to invest in you. There are endless ways that we can be kind, but I think the bottom line for us to take away is that kindness is not just niceness. It's not just niceness, but it takes work. It takes effort. It's us proactively going out of our way to commit to doing good to other people. And we got to do that. And this isn't the only thing that Paul commands of us in our passage. This is just part one of three. So let's go back to our text really quick. What else is there? In verse 32, it says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So this idea of tenderhearted is, is like having a soft heart a heart that's soft, that's compassionate, that feels for other people, that's moved to love other people and care for them. Um, it's not just, you know, it's not that we just want to do good to other people and be kind and, you know, go out of our way, but have no heart in it. We want our heart and our mind to be both engaged in when we're loving people, right? That we want to be all in and make sure that we're caring about the people that we're doing good to. And so that's our second point. Write it down like this. Care about others. Care about others. I probably don't need to tell you guys to care about yourself, right? Because we care about ourselves already a whole lot, right? You did your hair a certain way tonight. You know, you made sure that you ate something today. You made sure that you wore a cute outfit to TNN because obviously, right? We, we care about ourselves a lot, right? We want to, um, you know, present ourselves in a, in a good way, right? And nothing's wrong with that necessarily. But just imagine if we took the same amount of time that we spend on ourselves and spent it on other people, and focused on other people, right? However long it takes you to get ready in the morning or, you know, however long you spent just scrolling on Instagram, right? If you took that hour or 30 minutes or whatever it is to pour into another person, imagine how much good you could do. Imagine how much care you could pour into that person. 
I think oftentimes we're missing so many opportunities because our eyes are just glued to ourselves. We're so selfish and so self-focused. We have to recognize that and start looking up. Get our eyes looking around the room. Who can I serve? Who can I help? Who can I do good to today? And ultimately, we got to recognize that people are souls, right? That people are made in the image of God. They have a soul that's going to go somewhere when they die, whether that's heaven or hell, right? We want to do good to the people that God has made, and especially people that are Christians, right? If we're of the household of faith, if we're Christians, the Bible says we need to especially do good to those people, right? Those people we're going to be spending eternity with, right? And so how exactly can we care for those people, right? I think there's a lot of care that we can show, but I think this passage just says it perfectly. So let's go ahead and turn to 1 John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16. John the Apostle is writing about Jesus, and ultimately he's talking about the gospel, right? What Jesus did for us. And not only does the gospel just affect us, you know, salvifically, right, that we can be saved from the penalty of our sins, that we can be changed and forgiven of our sins, but it also affects our relationships with other people. The gospel affects our relationships with other people. And so John writes exactly about that in 1 John three sixteen, It says, by this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Right, And we see that Jesus showed the greatest display of love for us in dying the death that he did not deserve. Right, That Jesus sacrificed himself to pay the penalty of our sins so that you, a sinner, could be saved. That you could be made from a sinner to a saint. How amazing is that, right? That's the greatest display of love that we could ever fathom. And Jesus is showing us that his, his love affects the way that we care for other people. It affects the way that we treat other people. And he demands that we have that same attitude for others, that we care for others, that we are willing to do whatever it is to sacrifice for other people. And that's what he says, that we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And I think going back to verse 17, look at that verse again. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? I mean, think about that for a second. You have all these good things that God has given you, right? Whether that's your home or your family or your finances or your friends or, you know, whatever that is. You got these goods right here, and then you got this person that's in need, that needs something, that doesn't have a friend, that doesn't have a family, that doesn't have those resources like you do, and you just go, well, so be it. I mean, I hope that they figure it out, right? We have to have the same mentality that Jesus had, being willing to sacrifice anything to care for people, to serve people, to do good to people. And I want you guys to think about that. Is there anybody that you are closing your heart against? Is there anybody that you're closing your heart against, like this passage says? I mean, think about that. It's like the, you know, picture of a door, right? Opening the door to somebody, right? You're welcoming them in. You're allowing them to come into your home. It's, you know, the sweet environment that you're inviting them in versus shutting the door on somebody and saying, no, stay out. This is my spot. I don't want you in here. We have to be willing to open our heart to other people, not close our heart against other people. 
And just think about that. I mean, who is that person, right? Is it your friend? Is it a neighbor? Is it, you know, a classmate? Is it somebody in this room? Who do you need to open your heart to? This is how we can know that God's love, God's love really does abide in us, is how we love other people. Do we love other people? Do we care about other people? Or do we just think about what's convenient for me? What's good for me? How are we loving other people? Just as Jesus showed us what real love is, we need to do the same to other people and care for them and not close our heart against them. And last but not least, we're commanded one last thing in this passage. So let's look at the passage again together. Ephesians 4.32, we'll see where it ends. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Think about that. The heart of the gospel seeing God's greatest love that he's ever shown us, that we can be forgiven of our sins, right? He says that we've been forgiven if we're Christians. If you are a Christian in this room and you've trusted in Christ for salvation, you're forgiven. Your sins will never be held against you, past, present, and future. That's a miracle. That's amazing, right? Something to give praise to God, to God for. And this whole concept of forgiveness is for us to give. The word forgive really comes from that word. It's to give grace, to give grace to other people, to deal graciously with other people, right? And it flows from a heart that's really ungrudging love, that there's no grudges. You're not holding something against other people, but you're choosing to love them, to give grace to them, right? And if you're a person that's been hurt by somebody and, you know, somebody's really offended you or you are holding a grudge, you've got to let it go. You have to let it go, especially if you are a Christian. Think of all that God has forgiven you. So we ought to forgive other people and not hold grudges. And that's our last point. Point number three, don't hold grudges. Don't hold grudges. How foolish would it be if we held a grudge when we've been forgiven of the greatest debt that we've ever had, our sin before a holy God? Think of that great debt. How could he forgive that? He did in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian. I think there's a perfect passage that explains this so well. It's in Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. It's a little bit of a long passage, but we're going to do it. Matthew 18, verse 21. Everybody turn there. Let's go ahead and turn there and check out that passage together. If you haven't heard it, it's the parable of the unforgiving servant. And you probably heard this if you've grown up in church, but I think it's just a perfect picture of the foolishness of when we are not willing to forgive other people, when we hold on to those grudges and we don't give it up to God. Let's go ahead and start in verse 21, Matthew 18, 21. It says, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
But when the same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which is much less than 10,000 talents, and seizing him, he began to choke him and said, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. Same thing that he just said to the master. And he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I mean, just think of that picture, right? It's just, it's foolish when we think about our sin before a holy God and the small things, offenses that people do to us. And don't get me wrong, I understand that when people hurt you, when you, you know, have your feelings hurt and somebody has done really wrong to you, even if it's a great sin, I get it. I know it hurts. I know it's painful. I know that there's tears and there's anger and there's all those feelings. But if we think about our sin, there's really nothing that anybody can do to us that's going to be greater than the sin we've done before God, right? Think about that. Our sin is so much weightier than that. I think of, you know, Psalm 51, 4 and how it says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. D David talking about, talking to God, right? That our sin is ultimately offensive to God, especially because think about who he is. We're offending God. We're sinning against God, the Holy One. If God forgave you, how much more willing should you be to forgive other people? Even if it's a great sin, even if it's a small thing, we should be willing. We're without excuse. So think about that. Who are you holding a grudge against right now? Is there somebody that you can think of that you're holding a grudge against? You're angry. You're mad at that thing that they did, at that thing that they said. Are you being mad until they notice and feel bad themselves to manipulate them? Are you trying to be upset until they notice that? Are you holding on to that sin? Are you not forgiving them and not being willing to forgive them until they come and apologize to you? Like our passage has been talking about, it's not about the other person. It's about us, right? We have to be willing to forgive because of the great debt that God has forgiven in Christ Jesus. And so think about who that person is. It's time to resolve that conflict tonight. If there's somebody that you have held a grudge against, that you're upset at, that you have not forgiven, tonight needs to be the night. Not next week, not next year, but tonight needs to be that night. And remember what God was willing to do to forgive you at great lengths. He sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And imagine what it would be like if he didn't. If God wasn't willing to send his son, where would we be? We'd be left in doom, right? If we didn't have a way to be saved. In Proverbs 19.11, it says, Proverbs 19.11, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is a glory to overlook an offense. 
Imagine how much better our relationships would be with people if we did these three things here, if we did good to other people, if we cared about other people, if we didn't hold grudges against other people. Let's seek to do that tonight and apply this and be obedient because of all that God has done for us. Let's pray.